Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamanchko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's podcast, we feature special guest, ServiceMax CEO, Neil Barua. ServiceMax is a leader in asset-centric field service management software. On the podcast, Neil discusses private equity firm Silver Lake's role in the evolution of ServiceMax, why the company's SaaS business model may be attractive for investors, Details regarding its $1.4 billion merger with SPAC Pathfinder acquisition, key opportunities in its future growth plan, and more. Point of disclosure, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF is long the shares and warrants of Pathfinder acquisition. So with no further ado, here's our discussion with ServiceMax CEO, Neil Barua. I am pleased to have Neil, the CEO of ServiceMax, on the Absolute Return podcast today. So, Neil, welcome to the show. I did want to kick things off just doing a quick overview of your career history. Looks like you are pretty involved with private equity firm Silver Lake. Could you kind of walk us through your career trajectory and um, what you've been up to uh, over the past kind of decade or two? Yeah, for sure. I'll try to be as quick as possible so we can talk about ServiceMax. I'm super <laughs> excited, guys, to be here and talk about the company and what's going on. It's an exciting time to be at ServiceMax. But if I could uh, spend a few minutes on just back for myself, I'm, uh, I'm Canadian, by the way, so uh, Canadian, but lived in the U.S. for many years now. And so feel good about you know where you guys came from. But um, you know, I, I actually cut my teeth. Uh, I came out of NYU and I became an investment banker and I just didn't like being an investment banker. It just wasn't for me. So I actually went to a client that was building a telecom cable across Asia, moved from New York City to Beverly Hills. And I should have known at that point that having a telecom company in Beverly Hills was probably not a good idea. But <laughs> long story short, short, kind of moved out there and, and did an IPO for a company called Asia Global Crossing as a financial analyst. And Got the real good pleasure at the time to be connected to John Ledger, who you guys might know, yep. ultimately uh, ran T-Mobile. But he was at Global Crossing for 10 years, unbeknownst to a lot of people. And that's when you know he became a great mentor of mine and spent 10 plus years with them. But he sent me out to Asia to go cut my teeth on real stuff and go strike business deals in China and Japan, et cetera, and get out of the finance world. So that was where I first went into the operational world. And Subsequent to that, I kind of spent 10 years with John and the leadership team at Global Crossing. We took it out of bankruptcy and actually grew the business, ultimately sold it to a company called Level 3, now renamed Lumen Technology. And um, post that, and I ran the whole enterprise was for Global Crossing. So that's where I got the operational kind of uh, experience that I've now leveraged over the last number of roles that I've had. But to your question, I kind of got very intrigued by private equity at the time at the ripe old age of... 34, I'm like, who are these guys that have been coming in looking at Global Crossing right before we sold to level three? And I was intrigued by it and found my way to uh, being part of a company called Francisco Partners, a great technology private equity firm here in the Bay Area. And 
was one of the four guys that started the operating advisory group that helps portfolio companies, did that. And subsequently, after we had our firstborn, Layla, um, you know, my parents and my wife's parents lived on the East Coast and in the Midwest. We decided to move back East and I joined Silver Lake in the same sort of concept as an operating partner. And then, you know, really went through a very good experience with Silver Lake running and being CEO of a portfolio company of theirs called IPC out of New York City, Jersey City, actually, to be clear, and sold that to another private equity firm and then continued to be the CEO of that company for three more years and then came back to Silver Lake as an operating partner. And now, hopefully, we'll get to the conversation on ServiceMax. I was able to be the CEO of ServiceMax after Silver Lake was able to buy the company from G uh, a number of years back. So that's the, a very long way. Thanks for bearing me, kind of the career history. That's interesting for sure to see how you came to become CEO of ServiceMax. And it's also, it's always welcome to have a reformed investment banker turn CEO on the podcast. There's a long list of them, it seems. But transitioning from ownership, transferring GE to uh, Silver Lake, what was appealing about ServiceMax when Silver Lake acquired it, and how has the company changed under private equity ownership outside of GE? Yeah, it's uh, look as as way of history. ServiceMax has been around for fourteen or so years. Super hot startup in the beginning when it was founded. Uh, company was built predominantly on Salesforce since the beginnings, right? So we'll talk about our relationship there, and then really did a nice job folks on field service technicians, engineers, and giving them digital tools that were necessary for these folks even back then. And did an awesome job growing the business, building the business, creating great product for those types of folks and a great reputation. And then was sold to GE for close to a billion dollars a number of years back. Was put part of GE as part of the whole GE digital kind of framework of really how they were thinking about being a digital company it was a key component of their strategy around that. And as you guys know, in a follow, GE went through, you know, a number of corporate iterations over the last number of years. And, you know, we were able to, at Silver Lake, and now obviously as the CEO of ServiceMax, be very opportunistic around helping GE out from what they were dealing with on the financial side, and being able to take what they would even still indicate, and they're still a small shareholder of ours, the diamond of that whole portfolio, which is ServiceMax. And so ServiceMax, uh, as you said, Silver Lake was able to take a majority uh, ownership of that from GE. We split out the company. And what got me super fired up, and it's what keeps me driving every single morning that I wake up on behalf of ServiceMax and all the great people that work here, is that same energy focus on giving the right and correct and valuable digital tools to those field service technicians, engineers, those folks that we all globally rely on to keep the world running, like we say, on the front lines, that's still the mission. That is still what we're executing on. And that, like, when you think about a company that's doing that stuff that's so meaningful for those end users, it's just inspiring. And I got fired up. I was sitting in New York City. Uh, I had my house there, two kids, my wife, and plenty happy being in Manhattan. And we said, this is too good of an opportunity to pass because what we could do, what we could serve these people with, and all the things that we could do collectively with Silver Lake and now the company, just a lot a lot of stuff we could get done. And it's very different than any other enterprise software company, given the mission and who we serve. So that got me fired up, guys. I mean, it was, uh, 
was a real clicking for me. And I said, pack up the bags. We're out of New York. Let's go <laughs> go to California. And so uh, here we are for the last few years. That's great. We love to see that a passion from you, Neil, in terms of operating the company and, and the company's mission. I was wondering if you could really clarify for investors and, and our listeners, what exactly uh, ServiceMax provides and to which client you mentioned digital tools. It's an asset-centric asset field service management software. Can you give us some specific examples just to kind of make it crystal clear for listeners? Absolutely. So 100% cloud-native, mobile-first company built in the cloud, which is actually a real differentiator, by the way, for our customers. Unique. We're the only pure play field service management, SaaS company in the marketplace, which also really great for our customers, which I'll give some examples around. We live, breathe, and eat field service. We got nothing else. This is what we do, and we do it really well, and we're going to continue to do it even better. In terms of like visualizing what we do, it's actually fascinating. So we're really good in healthcare, med device, life sciences, right? Our customers, we have great customers there. And many of us go to hospitals for ourselves or loved ones, and we go to a clinic we actually utilize a lot of the products that are our customers, right? And one of the ones that we disclosed uh, in our analyst day is one that is focused on women's healthcare med device, right? And so you go in and have these uh, MRI machines or uh, mammography machines or blood diagnostic machine that's sitting in a clinic. That is our customer. The customers that actually produce those are our customers. But these customers need their technicians for all of us to be safe, to actually go fix that MRI machine when it's not working or parts not working the right, in the right manner or fix the mammogram machine before our wife goes and gets her, her, um, her, her, her appointment done. And in order for that technician to actually fix that and maintain and install that equipment, you need a digital tool. That's what ServiceMax is. It's the software that a technician uses and that company that produces that equipment to understand where do we actually install that equipment? How quickly do we need to maintain it? What parts are actually under warranty and what's not? And our software facilitates that so that all of us can actually go to that clinic and have the machine actually working in the way that we all deserve and need, right? For like we call it, keep the world running. So that's in essence what we do, Julian. Now we do it across many industries. I'll give you another example of a company that we announced in our great Q2 earnings that we just disclosed a few weeks back, a massive equipment rental company, right, in Canada and the United States. Seven-figure ACV deal for us, so a very meaningful deal with a new product that we just introduced with Salesforce called A360. This customer actually provides all the equipment for construction sites or big like projects that are occurring out in the out in the in, in the marketplace, which obviously, as we're seeing, there's a lot of demand going on with construction and equipment needed for that. And they rent their equipment to those construction sites, as an example. What they realize is their business is booming. There's a backlog to get more uh, equipment to these sites because you can see the building all around us happening across the board across this country. When they actually get that equipment rental back. Though they had no way of prioritizing what to fix and when and how, what spare parts to use, what do we actually fix before we fix the three other things that have come into our factory, right? Our digital tools, and the reason why they, they procured ServiceMax is our tool allows all the visibility of what is that piece of equipment rental, where is it, when is it returned, 
what's actually the parts that are needed to fix it, what's now aligned with the customer demand, what's the customer demand for that equipment, because if there's a lot of demand, let's fix that first before the three other pieces of equipment rental uh, equipment that might not have as much demand in a certain market. So companies are all accelerating guys to having digital tools to run their business in a far more efficient manner. And that's what we're doing. Hopefully that gives you a couple examples of what we do at a high level. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. And then as well, so if, if I'm the customer, are the benefits to me mainly on the cost and efficiency metrics that, that those are the results that I'm going to see? Or is there also top-line revenue benefits to, to using the product? Yeah, so I'll, I'll use a specific example. It's all of the above is the summarized point, but let me give you actually real numbers. So that equipment rental company, as an example, the ROI on this is pretty amazing, right? Number one is a 1% higher utilization on their fleet of 500,000 plus equipment, right? Which you think about the example, to turn over that equipment and have it higher utilization meaning put it back in the field and have someone rent it, creates 70 to $80 million of top line and then very accretive bottom line kind of uh, numbers to their company. That's just size of company. That's a material number for that size of company, number one. Number two is they have a competitor in the, in the marketplace that's actually also looking at digital tools, including service specs, but they have a competitor in the marketplace that if the company can't turn that uh, equipment fast enough, the other company will get called by the customer and say, hey, you, you send that piece of a cherry, cherry picker, whatever equipment to the construction site. So the value of this is it actually creates a stickier loyalty with the customer by which they're not diversifying, go to a competitor, find whatever equipment's out there, and they're getting higher loyalty in terms of repeat upsells to their existing customer base. So that's Point number two. And number three is something that's happening at Pace, guys. We all see in our own consumer lives. That end customer, previously in service organizations, there was not a care of the experience of that end customer, that clinic, right, that's waiting to get someone to fix that MRI machine. It was usually like something's broken, come fix it multiple times, have the equipment go down, patients are told, reschedule your appointment, right? What's accelerating now is those patients can't wait. There's a backlog of them. So you can't keep pushing out the fact that like you have so much downtime. So the clinic, or in this case, the equipment rental end user needs a better experience, right? They absolutely need a better experience because there's alternatives out there. And so the companies that we serve, they're recognizing that and they know only a digital tool allows for a better customer experience that ultimately gives them higher revenue, profitability, and loyalty over time. So 
that's the other piece, Michael, that we see very often on the ROI calculations and outcomes of our customers. Certainly the value proposition to customers is there. Now, I did want to touch on the revenue model. You mentioned SaaS, so software as a service. Can you discuss why that revenue model is appealing to ServiceMax investors? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to ignore what's happening in the SaaS marketplace. So it's investors are all recognizing that the cloud is here to stay and the SaaS business model is the only way forward for technology companies. And all the other old dinosaurs that have on-premise business, you could see what they're doing on these shows like yours and with investors are saying, how do we convert it to a SaaS-like model, right? Fortunately, we grew up, no credit to me, I give all the credit to my predecessors, we built this company as a SaaS company from the very beginning. The benefit of that, by the way, as we all have heard, is you have scalability in a SaaS model, right? In terms of innovation, we could add features functionalities at such a pace to our customers far quicker than an on-premise software company, right? And so from a of working through the dynamics of how the world's changing and being able to innovate, having a SaaS platform is the only way to go to be competitive. That's point number one. Number two is from a just a visibility. So from an investor standpoint, the visibility we have around our revenue and what we see is coming in to the business from a, all parts of the P&L and cash flow, it's just an ideal business, right? Because we can see ahead on what we've actually signed right now and how much is actually going to be revenue over the course of the implementation period. So it's highly beneficial, highly visible. It's part of the reason why, you know, you're getting such amazing valuation from SaaS companies because it's a very predictable investor model that's actually well understood right now. But from a customer perspective, the number one reason why it's such a great home run is it's a per user, per license, per month kind of subscription model, right? And that's just easier to understand than like, go give me a big pile of money and figure out how, you know, that that kind of bleeds out in an on-premise model. So there's just huge value. I mean, it's a it's it's the way the world's going. And it already is at a pace that's pretty fascinating right now. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. Absolutely. And so something that you mentioned earlier was your relationship with Salesforce. Can you talk a little bit about the history with Salesforce and the strategic uh, strategic partnership that you have with them? Yeah, so Salesforce has been a partner of ours since the very beginning of this company. In fact, a little fun fact, Salesforce, a ServiceMax was created because there was an app exchange competition that happened way back 14 years ago, and ServiceMax won that competition and was ultimately funded by Salesforce and a a number of other VCs that came in to fund now the growth of the company at the time. 
So we've always built since day one, we use the SaaS cloud platform of Salesforce to build the functionality because we weren't a platform company, meaning an infrastructure company. We wanted to build the feature functionality for those end users. So huge leverage that we got from all the things that I talked about a few minutes ago and innovation given the, the significance of their you know, infrastructure using the force.com platform. So that was number one. What's been really exciting over the last couple years, right? We announced February of last year an investment by Salesforce Ventures into the company. So they're a shareholder of ServiceMax at this current time. Really importantly, an alignment and a recognition by them and a desire by customers that the asset-centric all the expertise that I just mentioned around our use cases to align that with Salesforce with their great customer base, it's a home run and it completes the end-to-end offering of field service for our joint customers. And so we've now created, so we have a number of things. We're built on predominantly on their platform, right? On force.com and now service cloud. We have an investment by them from Salesforce Ventures. And now we have a joint go-to-market product that we built for purpose-built for Salesforce called Asset360 that we introduced in the marketplace November this past year that I referenced that we just closed our largest seven-figure deal on with multiples more for Salesforce. Uh, We now have a go-to-market motion with them that leverages their install base and allows them to have a solution that is like best in class in terms of ServiceMax's domain expertise in that. That's a relationship, Michael, on those three fronts. So it sounds like you are busier than ever with respect to the corporate development and also this recently announced merger with Pathfinder acquisition, $1.4 billion transaction value. What's the purpose in going public? And is there a new strategic roadmap? What do you seek to accomplish with this big move? Yeah, I I mean, just so um, we've always had a desire to go public. This process, when we first embarked on it, created an efficient way to become public, right? An expedient way to get public. And we're working through all those dynamics um, through this SPAC process. Very importantly for the company, we are down, we've showed Q2 results, right? 22% revenue growth on the subscription side. We are showing real momentum in the business and we're just getting started. Early innings of that trajectory and it's meaningful changes from even where the company was a number of years back. So we're now accelerating that. We have a new product that's leveraging one of the largest enterprise software companies in the world in Salesforce and introducing Asset 360. Our existing customer base is growing at a very, very nice clip, right? We have 118% net dollar retention uh, that we showed in Q2, really meaningful step of our customers buying more and expanding their usage of ServiceMax. We feel the momentum. We are also seeing, like I said, the market shifting now where there's higher demand and need for the products that we actually have. And having additional capital, having the public stage to really trumpet those end users that really have been forgotten in enterprise software, in our opinion, other than the service max of the world, everyone talks about the desk workers, the knowledge workers. We're going to give back the mojo and the tools to the field service techs and engineers on the technology that they deserve. And if anyone disputes what happened during this pandemic and how folks like myself, I like to joke, hid behind a Zoom call to get stuff done, watching workers out there with masks, putting their lives at risk, families at risk, 
making sure the water actually came here in the right manner, making sure things got built, making sure the trains were still working, making sure the medical device ventilators were actually worked and installed right. If you remember that ventilator uh, chaos that we had in this country a couple months ago or quarters ago, all those people deserve the tools you and I deserve and, and have already, if not more. And so that's, that's what we're arming. Going public allows the prominence of it. We're going to make this, we're going to scream from the loudest rooftops around this, this customer segment. And capital allows us to continue to grow the business and create innovation for these end users. And so that's what we're excited about, Julian and Mike. And the other thing that going public allows you to do is you will then have uh, publicly traded equity in which to make acquisitions. So I'm sure MA is on the strategic roadmap. With this going public transaction, you also have a deal to acquire liquid frameworks. What's the thesis behind that? We're doing everything, as you guys could tell. <laughs> uh, you know, an old mentor of mine said, when you're growing, good things happen. And that's what's happening here, right? Is our growth and the trajectory is causing a lot of great possibilities for the company. Obviously, going public, a lot of work, excitement around that from the employee base, even our customers, super excited about that, as well as our partners. Just as a side note, none of the shareholders are Silver Lake, Salesforce, or EE are selling anything in this transaction, right? So the belief that there's still the best is yet to come is still like evident, uh, as you could tell from that just point that they've made to the marketplace. On, on the last point on liquid frameworks, we're going for it. This is the point, right? On part of the reason for why we were looking at capital here as being a great uh, uh, pouring of kerosene into already a really exciting spot. Liquid Frameworks is done really a nice job. They've always been historically built on Force.com and Salesforce. So like we have real technology alignment there. You know, founder Travis Parigi, he's going to be joining the leadership team here at ServiceMax, uh, CEO of um, Liquid Frameworks. They built an awesome business based out of Houston in Texas that really does digital transformation for the energy segment. And as you guys know well, being up in Canada, being close to energy companies, energy companies have to go through the same digital transformation to become more efficient, to think about how renewables impact their business, to actually give safety to their technicians with everything going on uh, with the patterns that are out there. They've been doing that for a number of years. They've run a really good business. And we saw a way to lock arms with them. And what we do for Industry verticals, like I mentioned, med device and life sciences at ServiceMax is augmented now with what they could do with energy that we all always had a bit of a toehold, but it just blows the doors open in terms of our prominence, domain expertise and momentum in that in that energy segment using a really great digital tool aided by, you know, integration that we're going to do with ServiceMax. Sounds like there's a lot of synergies on that deal, which is something that you like to see. So in terms of framing the story to investors, you're preparing to close this merger with Pathfinder acquisition in the fourth quarter. Currently, that's trading under the symbol PFDR. Once it's done, your ticker symbol will be SMAX, SMAX. When you're telling the story to investors, what do you think are some of the key insights that they should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, this is an opportunity to be part of something very unique. There's not a lot of vertical industry-specific SaaS players of this scale and leadership 
that is a great opportunity to play with a pure play leader in this marketplace, right? And, you know, that's first and foremost. Number two is the customer base and the reputation that we've built speaks to the leadership. This is not invest in us and revenue will come one day later. This is a company that's working. Please read our Q2 earnings release that came up a number of years ago. It's a company working at scale, great reputation, not a build it and they will come. We are now, you're stepping into accelerated momentum. And that's gives, I think, a lot of confidence around stability of the company and also the credibility of the company, point number two. Number three is from just a excitement and upside and what we're feeling here, given the market dynamic of all a predominance of a customer base needing digital tools, the pandemic accelerating that, and our ability now to have a real solid product, not only in our core offering that you're seeing in our existing base continue to buy more of, but now another growth lever in Asset 360. And you just think about the breadcrumbs from Salesforce, which is our feast. And that actually starts working. And that seven-figure deal that happened in Q2, which we're working on many more right now, continue to come and get executed on, the, the sky's the limit, right? In terms of the, just from a financial standpoint. The last thing I'll say is that this all, the ability for us to continue to do this, have this leadership position, positions us really well to continue to de- derive more value, meaning to our customers, give them more product sets that gives them value. We have now the inside view of these great customers at scale needing new solutions. And guess who they come to? Our MPS is the highest it's been in 14 years. Customers are buying more from us than they have in many years now, right? In terms of buying more, given the credibility we've built, they're now coming to us saying, hey, three, four years out, we're thinking our field techs are going to need this new technology. Let's brainstorm ideas on how to do that. So that allows another growth lever to the business. And lastly, I think it's very important to note, 550 or so employees in this company, we live, breathe, and eat this. It's a solid company with great employees that are kicking butt right now. And we're really feeling the wind in our back. And we're just going to continue to accelerate that. So, you know, I know that's an intangible, but sometimes you want to pick people and companies that have momentum. And you're starting to see that at ServiceMax. So come on in, join the winners group here. That's kind of how I see it, at least when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Neil. Appreciate your passion for ServiceMax and wish you the best of luck as you pursue your going public journey and all the growth that's planned for the company. So it's an exciting story. And thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions. Appreciate the time, guys. All right, great. Bye, everybody. All right, see you guys. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.